everybody. It's Laura Entertainment here. We are sitting here with director Bo Roberts. How are you doing today, Bo? Hello. I am doing great. How about you? Trying to stay warm. <laughs> right. Bipolar weather here in Ohio. So yeah. I'm just going to jump right in because I don't want to, you know, take up too much of your holidays. So what made you want to become a film director? Uh, to me, it was, it, it's been a pretty long journey to where, um, I would say all the way back in sixth grade um, is how far I, I can chart it back. Um, and it just took me a couple of decades to really make sense of it. Um, but yeah, back in sixth grade, I, I would go into the library and um, the, the books that I, I've naturally been drawn to are the ones that nobody reads. It's like you have the encyclopedias and dictionaries and they're old and just boring looking to a sixth grader. But then if you go even you know, deeper into the recesses of the library, you have ones that have like dust on them and stuff like that. And I'm like, what is this stuff? So I uh, began looking through and it was a lot of books on like medicine and this and that. And uh, the one that jumped out to me was uh, connect with uh, psychology. It was the DSM, which is essentially the encyclopedia for mental disorders. And just, you know, reading about why certain people do certain things that you know fascinated me as a sixth grader and um that and then in the 90s that's when you had this big first explosion of a bunch of these movies coming out um, about serial killers you had like uh, ted bundy and uh john wayne gacy and uh henry and um you know those movies and uh yeah i just found it very interesting like what makes those people, you know, act and behave the way that they do. So fast forward uh, some in life and um, and I took a more proactive step with my interest in psychology um, and went into uh, law enforcement. Uh, whenever I first uh, entered it, I thought, you know, serve and protect and uphold the law and stuff like that. But looking back on it, you, you know, law enforcement, I, I worked inside the county jail and that is ground zero of human emotion. Like uh, everybody I'm meeting that's having the worst day of their life. And then they put me on this advanced uh, tactical team to where, you know, uh, if people come in being uh, combative, uh, uh, suicide attempts, hostages, stuff like that, like um, I'd be uh, somebody that would go in the room and deal with it. And uh, yeah, so you have that kind of real world of you know being a young kid in school and uh, um, working in law enforcement, but then um, you know there is a separation when I moved down to Florida. Wound up uh, getting wrapped up in, in being a print model, and during that time, uh, I started coming across like short film castings and a senior thesis film for some college and uh, stuff like that. So I uh, I began auditioning and really enjoyed it because it took that interest in psychology and kind of flipped it on myself like yeah now i'm in this situation how would i feel to be in that situation um so i found acting be very introspective um and uh, once i moved out to los angeles uh, i really started just kind of uh uh advancing my uh, mindset once more to where it was instead of me, how would I think and how would I feel about that? 
to me, directing and being a filmmaker, it's uh, it's more present about how do I feel about this to where um, like I view reality and just kind of the world in general and make sense of, okay, this is kind of where I fall on that side of the opinion. This is how I think and how I feel about that. So let's take what I'm feeling and turn that into a story to where now I have, you know, like a, a message I'm trying to put out. So like I can see the progression on how it went from um, what more tangible and just, uh, you know, actually working and studying it and was even majoring in psychology uh, back in college, but how it went from that into acting. And then, you know, it, it's been a very introspective journey since uh, I got into it. Yeah, I just had that conversation, as a matter of fact, with somebody else, um, another person, I could, because I did four years criminal justice, and my goal was to be a forensic profiler. And it was um, CSI and forensic psychology was my major. I did a double major when I went, and it was all writing, and I, I studied serial killers and rapists. Those were the two people that I loved to put away. But when my daughter got sick, so it kind of took me down a different path, you know, which I'm grateful for now, but it sucked because like all that schooling <laughs> went to waste. And I mean, forensics and the psychology, I think that's really important, especially when you're working with somebody, you know? Yeah. Definitely. So what skills do you believe filmmakers should possess? Uh, what skills? Well, uh, if you're calling yourself a filmmaker, then the more appropriate title uh, for what you're doing is you are a professional problem solver. Like you think this is what you're doing and that's, it, it, first off, it's not going to happen that way. Um, it, it may end up, you know, exactly how you want it to be, but you're going to take a lot of, you know, various uh, um, routes to get there so definitely being able to multitask and just accept that you literally go from one dumpster fire to the next to the next uh some days and some productions that's just how it is you have one issue after another so you know not not allowing yourself to um definitely feel the pressure and react accordingly but don't you know freak out and you know spaz out because then you know your, your brain floods with adrenaline and you can't even think straight from that point so yeah. uh keeping a cool head because the problems and the outright disasters are going to happen so it's just you know um yeah that that would be a, a big thing it's just acknowledge that you have to be a professional problem solver yeah so what is your creative process like when you're working whether it's writing directing acting um my, um, sorry, uh, can you say that one more time? Your creative uh, process. Gotcha. Um, yeah, my creative process uh, is hyper spontaneous. Um, so uh, I've just, you know, out, outline my story um, or my, my next one. And I, um, you know, put, put out like mood boards and uh, the storyboards. And, you know, I'm just uh, in the major beat points details and how every department has to be on the same page but uh so that's my my 10th 
feature script idea that I'm now actually moved on to the first draft of the script. So out of 10 times going through it, it back to being spontaneous. It's uh, I, I think since I've been hyper athletic my entire life at the gym, it's just kind of my Zen zone. And the epitome of zenning out is me warming up on the treadmill. Like I just hit go, bumped up to 7.5, uh, take off jogging. And I, I would do that for about an hour and my mind just wanders. And there have been four out of 10 scripts that happened when I, I was on the treadmill and all of a sudden I just have um, like this flash and I just see the story. So it literally turns into a race against time for me to where I have to stop the treadmill uh, collect my belongings and go home. And as I'm walking home, I am um, writing notes on my phone just as fast as I can, just like just this detail, but then this broad stroke, just, you know, try try to, you know, put as much of it down as possible. So for me, I'm not somebody that can be very consistent and type uh, three pages you know, five days a week. For me, it's like, I'll just have this burst and I put down from like 10 to, you know, 20 pages. I put 20 pages down in about uh, two and a half hours one time. Like it was just, yeah. So back to the spontaneous, <laughs> it, it, all of a sudden I'm just, I'm in the mood. I have this idea. I know what's going on. So I just have to do it. I like think at, at 7.5 on the treadmill, I probably would have flown off the treadmill. <laughs> and you said jogging. <laughs> to me, I would probably be, I don't know, dialing 911 at that point, maybe. <laughs> okay, so what kind of films have you directed so far? Um, so my my first uh, full-length feature um, is The Great Awakening, and that is a movie that... Um, to me, I'm I'm actually very proud of like the parameters that I had worked with uh, to make it. I'm like the the quality and stuff. I'm like cool, but the story is, is something that you know I, I I'm very confident that I'm like oh that's a pretty creative thing. So um, throughout lockdown, uh, like one day my wife was uh, talking to somebody that uh, she works with, and was like oh hey bro well, you know. You know how's lockdown, and um, you know what are you doing? And um, my wife responded and said, "Oh, he's working on his next script." And at that time, I was just trying to, you know, just get the the broad strokes. Like, what type of story am I wanting to tell, and, and what's coming to me? And um, and uh, that that's when my wife and uh, the person that she works with both agreed definitely don't make a movie about covid because that's what every low budget horror movie is going to be for the next five years yeah. so i was like so i was like got it um okay so how about this i'm going to make a movie about covid um so for me i saw it as a challenge but instead of it being very on the nose about getting covid lockdown is mass imprisonment of the human race maybe the uh the virus or the vaccine turns you into a zombie you know like that's stuff that's very covid uh like related and i'm like that's to be expected to have tons of those movies coming out so 
excuse me. Um, You're fine. So for me, um, I, I started thinking about, well, how do I feel in this moment? And it uh, made me rewatch it. I actually watched it three times um, in 2020, but it's a documentary called Nightmares and Red, White, Blue. And it has like Wes Craven, uh, Guillermo del Toro, and like, uh, you know, these heavyweight horror movie people yeah. on screen. And most of them talk about how, oh, I just made sense of what was happening around me and turned it into a movie. So it charts back to um, World War One to where now uh, we're meeting uh, another human, but there is something that's different about them. They have different customs, language is different, so on and so forth. And um, um, that, but then society in the country was meeting a new kind of human when soldiers came back from the war and they're horribly disfigured and missing a limb and stuff like that. So that's when you had, um, around that time period, you had a movie called Freaks come out and it was like a bunch of carnival um, you know, side show and everything that's very much uh, not PC today, but it, it was a it was a movie that came out to really kind of signify that that moment and that thought in time. So then, fast forward, World War Two, every movie is about the atomic bomb scare. Um, go up to sixties, uh, Woodstock, Summer of Love, a lot of drug ex experimentation. Um, you know, so horror movies is like. The pot smoking hippie kidnaps daddy's little angel, right? It, a lot of horror movies were that way. And then you go up to the 70s, that's when the summer of love ended. Uh, um, Watergate happened, Vietnam. The country had a very raw and a very aggressive taste in its mouth. That's when you enter in um, ultra violent horror movies like the Texas Chain, uh, Chainsaw Massacre. So it's like, no, we're just going to chop people up and show you all of it. Because that, that was like the emotion of that time period. Uh, what's next? Jump all the way up to 90s. That's when you have um, uh, movies about like for us, we we didn't just come from a great war. We don't know exactly who the bad guy is to point your finger at. That's when you have a lot of movies like uh, you have a chance encounter with the killer. So for all you know, it could be somebody that you know. So movies like Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, um, Joyride, um, all of those movies come out. So I took all of that information and was like, okay, what does 2020 mean for me? Um, COVID is announced. Uh, people are talking about lockdown. The CIA released over 10,000 documents confirming interactions with UFOs. That wasn't even trending on so social media when it came out. Uh, we had a very turbulent election year. Um, the Black Lives Matter uh, riots and uh, stuff like that. And then uh, it, it, in a murder hornets were on the news. I've never <laughs> like, seen any of those, did you? No, no. It, it was like a week or a week and a half, <laughs> right? So for me, 2020, I'm like, the one word I would use to represent what 2020 means to me is uncertainty. I had no idea what was coming next i'm like it's 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 the one haymaker after another so that that's what my story turned into and so when you watch it you have context of what it is and what the storyline is yeah um but you, you have no idea what's coming next so the way that i created the story and the, uh, i was also the the uh, director of photography on it as well so the way that i shot it and then um 
uh, I even did essentially the first uh, assembly cut um, in post-production and the way that I cut it together, it, it all has this uh, narrative of pushing to where the viewer is just going to feel very un uncertain and unsure about what's coming next because that was my emotion of 2020. This movie is about 2020. So I want the viewer to feel the essence of 2020 when they watch it. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and there's a, actually uh, a review came in and um, it, it was very interesting. They, uh, the guy gave me like two, two out of five stars or uh, something like that. So it was a bit more on the disparaging side of review to read, but I loved it because I felt like I hit a complete bullseye with what he said. And he said, you're watching it, but you don't really know um, what's going on and you don't have a backstory of the characters and um, like how they're being developed or you don't know where it's going. So, you know, this disparaging uh, review that I read, I was like, awesome. That's, that's actually um, intentional and in what I wanted to have happen to where you're watching it and you want to have more information. Yeah. I wanted to know a lot more about 2020 than what was, you know, what we were being told. So I'm like, I definitely want more information, but I'm not going to get it. So I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. Like every day I have, you know, a uh, type of routine I try and maintain and this and that X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, it's hard to really forecast what type of situation it's going to be, you yeah. know, in 72 hours. So, you know, that's why, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, back to it, that, that's why when you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, I know the context of the scene and what's happening. And I, I can see, you know, that type of, like the phone calls that she has with her friend, you see the uh, progression of that situation. But it's, yeah, so it's uh, something I, I'm really proud of because I went for, you know, trying to put like an emotion or, a feeling actually on screen and uh, I feel like I accomplished it yeah I mean my my opinion of critics you know what I mean um I don't care what they say I don't because in all reality the only opinion that really matters is your own I mean besides the people that you're working with you know there are critics out there that say stuff because they're mad then you've got haters and then you've got people that just have nothing better to do so whenever you know people try to criticize me I just I, I don't I don't pay attention to it because I'm going to do whatever I want you know and their opinion does not matter it does not affect my life you know what I mean and mm -hmm. that's just the way I feel about those critics <laughs> but well, I mean what's your favorite genre uh, is it horror movies is that what you enjoy doing or um yes that and um more uh specific to that the uh, subgenre is called cosmic horror, which is um, essentially from H.P. Lovecraft, and it's the it's the study of what the un unknowable. And so, to me, it back to you know twenty twenty being uncertain. Like that's just the type of movies that it's like you really have to think and you know make sense of what's going on. It's not so much about boobs and blood, and you know just you know chopping people up and jump scares no it's like the um uh stuff that is highly symbolic because that's my favorite detail of the horror movie genre is 
how you can use the symbolism of what the storyline is to represent something. So maybe it's not literally this monster, you know, that's um, tormenting and haunting this person. Maybe that monster represents a drug addiction that the person is trying to run from. You you can do a lot of stuff to where uh, things don't have to be back to it on the nose. It's, you know, represent stuff. Um, And I, I, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like that happens as often in comedy movies and action movies and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, action movies is like uh, Liam Neeson is a terrible father and his daughter got kidnapped for the fifth time. So he's going to, you know, you killed my brother. Now I'm coming to get revenge on you. And it seems like that's the format for a lot of, you know, action movies. So, yeah, that's why I think, you know, I just naturally lean towards the horror genre more. Same storylines. A lot of people, I mean, they're, everybody's looking for new content and, because they're tired of the same old, same old. And like, there there was this group that I was watching because I, I did Wrong Turn. Um, I was in Wrong Turn, the foundation. And it was, it was fun to be there on the set. It was really fun. But I was watching all these groups talk, oh, well, it's going to be like the other one. And, you know, and then when it was released, their whole attitude changed because the mm-hmm. way that he spun that movie wasn't like it was back then it was basically getting because it's wrong turn the foundation so that right there is going to tell you the foundation of the actual story and how far this goes back and he completely redid it and so it didn't come out like a reboot because people you know they they don't want to keep seeing the same thing you know we know what's going to happen it's the same thing why why go pay for it but when they were watching it and everybody started making the comments the more people started watching it but I mean, I love horror movies too. I think they're a lot of fun to do. They are. Yeah. Imaginations <laughs> running wild. So, yep. do you have any big um? Let me see. How is it? Any big funny stories that's ever happened to you on set? Funny stories. Funny stories. Yeah. Um, funny stories. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think because um, I. I always have uh, moments um, on every production where at one point I'm laughing so hard that I'm crying like tears. And to me, it's like, yeah, do what you love and you won't work day in your life. So um, it's nice to have that happen on like every project I go on to, even the ones that are just so ungodly, inhumane, you know, I can't even talk about it. But um, even on those, yeah, there's always something that happens and it's goofy and hits that note and just to share laughter with a a couple people it's pretty cool but as far as nailing down one specific thing it's uh yeah i I don't really have something jumping to mind at the moment no pranks were pulled on you (laughs) um no no pranks um Um, one fu- one funny story uh, I would say that I've had in film filmmaking in in general, um, or just something that was cool. But back to law enforcement, um, um, a guy I worked with, we both agreed to go as uh, Spartans uh, for uh, for a Halloween party uh, that the uh, like the sheriff's office was putting on. So we showed up as Spartans, 
And then fast forward X amount of years later, and then I actually am a Spartan in the sequel uh, to the movie. So to actually be standing there and then to um, like to to take the picture of me on screen and do kind of a side by side uh, comparison of like, yeah, that was me back in 2009 ish. And, you know, uh, going as a Spartan for uh, for Halloween. And here here I am in what, 2016, 17 or something. You know, I, I actually walking the walk. So, to me, that you know, that that was, yeah, it was kind of a funny little haha, I guess. Okay, so do you have any advice for any aspiring <laughs> filmmakers, any directors, any tips? Yeah. <laughs> um. <coughs> sorry. You're fine. <coughs> yep. Um. Yeah, see, it's that that cough from two weeks ago. It's still messing with me. Um, so advice I would have for new and aspiring filmmakers is when you're doing something, um, you know, that you're trying to say we're doing it properly. Um, the thing that has to be at the top of the list above this renting this light or that camera, whatever, is you have to have proper sound on set. Like you can do not, you know, uh, you know, skip over, over that for the sake of having enough money to rent a lens or something like that. No, you have to have a professional audio person on set. That has to be number one. Um, and, and then after that, just shoot, just make sense of it. Um, I shot 15 short films where on about half of them, I was the only crew member on set like i yeah i did that for about seven to seven to eight short films and um and that was me uh to where actually the very first one it's christmas themed so you can check it out it's uh it is a hostage rescue uh action short called naughty not nice and the <laughs> elf on the and the elf on the shelf takes the cabbage patch kid hostage so then my buddies from law enforcement uh yeah, I was like, hey, so my uh, my wife told me um, before I come back to Los Angeles, uh, I have to have a 100% completed short, including post-production. And I said, you know, honey, I, I don't I don't have the right stuff. She said, your photography camera shoots video. There you go. And I'm like, what about sound? Oh, it has a built-in speaker. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have lights or anything. She said, use a lamp um you know and just sunlight and I, i'm like I, I don't even know what i'm gonna do and just everything you know every reason to like to not do it she shot it down and said I, I really don't care um you know you could keep talking about reasons to not do it or you could start thinking about what you're gonna do um so i just blasted off and shot it and like had to do that uh perspective force uh shift to where like back here the you, you would see my buddy you know yeah. moving the animals so we had to put it right next so you know when you move the the evil henchman stuffed animals um it you know it looks like they were actually proper size and yeah so it's called naughty not nice and you took out the cabbage patch doll man <laughs> we, well you, you'd have to watch how it goes down but yeah like 
you know, half of it's not in focus and it's, you know, it's whatever, but that was my, the thing that got me started and it really helped me make sense of, well, I'm doing post-production on this one, I guess, because no, nobody in their right mind would do post on this, um, especially not for free. So yeah, like it did that. And then the next one got a tiny bit better and a tiny bit better. And then I, I didn't jump all the way up to like a, a more pro grade camera, but I, I did all of a sudden have like a couple lights and this and that, and it, everything was just like, make sense of it. And, uh, you know, and eventually you're going to get better. Is that on YouTube? It is. Yeah. Is it? Was your wife standing yeah. over you with the lamp? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it was, it, it was when uh, I flew uh, back home to Indiana um so yeah i'm like well i don't have lights and this and that so we're gonna have to shoot this during daytime like it's yeah. just just use the sun and that's the only thing so indiana yeah. where are you from in indiana um more accurately if you can pinpoint louisville kentucky um yeah. i'm like minutes from it uh counting crossing the bridge okay. so yeah i'd say maybe five minutes out yeah, because I think there's, um, oh my God, what highway is that? 50 or 60 that takes you to, um, from Louisville to Indianapolis. I'm pretty sure. I think it's like a five yeah. miles or something. 65. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, roughly an hour 45 to go from Louisville up to Indy. Yeah, that's not too bad, actually. Yeah. Mm -mm. So do you have any big holiday plans? What's going on for you for the holidays? You know, uh, just working on the uh, quality control stuff for that movie. So it, um, it sold uh, with an international distribution company. So um, yeah, you know, just take care of some paperwork with that. Um, and, you know, just relax mainly. So yeah, <laughs> not, not, not too big on parties this year. So yeah, I'm just going to, you know, put on some nice music, have some hot cider and, you know, stare at a fireplace <laughs> or something. So, hey, there you go. There you go. That's mm -hmm. a real good plan. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the same thing that I normally ask people when I'm writing the articles. I haven't really asked anybody. I don't believe in the interviews. Do you have a motto or a quote that you live your life by? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I, I would say make it happen. Um, that's one thing that my, um, uh, mom still brings up, but it was also something that my late grandfather, uh, uh, would repeat to me. And he said, you know, now that you're working, you know, as a, as a model you have to understand now you're the product so you have to make sense of who's the, the main people that's going to hire you or who like who's going to give you those couple jobs that's going to bring in the most money like you have to make sense of which direction you're going and you have to change your product to where um you're going to appeal to you know that person more so he taught me how it's like oh it's not just try and be be hot and jump around and whatever like he helped me change my mindset into viewing it more as a, a business uh, type of thing and um um so like on that note 
um, I, I'm not six two, but you know, the shirt would come off, people would freak out and all of a sudden I'm paying rent, stuff like that. So, um, but with that being said, a very interesting and comical choice I made is, um, uh, to keep body hair, like chest, arms, all of it. So all of a sudden I'm a all American, well-built, uh, young guy that has body hair. So people like craftsman tools and, you, you know, like those type of more, um, you know, like quote unquote manly men type of brands. Um, you know, they, they appreciated that look because nobody else had body hair. So I'm like that in a comical way that separated me from the pack because I identified what type of clients the all American look would appeal towards. Um, but yeah, so, so, <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, so to jump back on track about make it happen, um, he kept telling me make it happen and he would give me, you know, a little business coaching advice and stuff. And, um, and then, uh, and then he passed and I was, um, and then some, uh, time went by after that and then that's when I decided I'm like well I have at that point I had seven feature film scripts and I'm like but nobody's beating on my door um begging to you know uh to to have me direct one of them and bring it to life so I'm like you know what I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna make it happen and a very peculiar uh thing happened the day that I went and uh and bought my new camera because now i have like the big fancy red camera and you know the the quality is a major jump going from 1080p up to 6k um but the day i i went to uh to pick the camera up um i, I was driving um driving a, a car that uh that he used to own uh because very shortly before that my uh like my truck got crashed on the street and totaled out so i just flew home and jumped in the car that he had uh but then you know he since passed away so uh, i was driving it and apparently on star they they um they record the calls that you have with them and i was driving uh, to the store like i'm about to throw down thousands and thousands of dollars so so i can just go off and make this thing happen um you know back to the motto and then um i'm like am i sure i'm going in the direction i want am i doing what i like are you this is a, a serious step now um it's not just sharing a six pack of friends on the weekend um yeah well the the on store for whatever reason came on and it was a recorded phone call that my grandfather had with him and he was like no i'm driving but um apparently there's a turn i have to make but it's not showing up on the gps and it's not working and uh the guy on on store kept trying to help him and he said hang on and he pulled out a road map and you can hear him make sense of the road map and he said you know what um like i can take it from here i'm just i'm just gonna go my own way and uh, it was just interesting that, you know, like, instead of waiting for someone to come help me out, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just going to go my own way and I'm just going to make it happen. So it was just interesting that, you know, that recorded phone call from my dad grandfather happened Yeah. as I'm going to the store to make it happen. 
Like it was, yeah. It's a sign. <laughs> I'm like, All right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm buying the camera. Stop thinking about it. You're doing it. So I think everybody should pretty much go their own way, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no fun when people, people copy off of each other. I get it. You know, it's like an admiration thing, but I believe because that's why I do things the way I do them, especially with lore. If you do things differently, you get more. You know what I'm saying? You, instead of copying the same thing that everybody's doing, I just think that's boring. It, you have no, like mm-hmm. your, your imagination, you should have imagination when you're doing stuff. You know, that's yeah. just, I believe. <laughs> truly, <laughs> truly. All right, you guys, we are going to let go, uh, Bo go and enjoy his holiday (laughs) we don't want to keep him so we're gonna say merry christmas and happy holidays and everybody stay safe and be careful enjoy your holidays and your family time and we're gonna thank you Bo, for coming on i appreciate that i know you're really really busy so i know (laughs) and um thank you guys for watching enjoy
that night when I first gave my heart to yours I was scared and feeling insecure You told me, my darling, even on your darkest days You'd always reassure 